0: Welcome to the Shortwave Report for October 21, 2011. I'm your host and producer, Dan Roberts. The Shortwave Report is a 30-minute review of news and opinion heard on a shortwave radio and the internet in Northern California. Listening to international broadcast at home is quite easy. You just need a shortwave radio with a schedule of English language broadcast or a computer with an internet connection. To help you with this, I'll announce times, frequencies, and website addresses at the conclusion of each series of stories. At the website for this show, that's www.outfarpress.com, you can find a schedule for dozens of international broadcasters in English. There you can also listen to the past four shortwave reports, find advice for listening to shortwave at home, and find internet links for global news sources. Please check it out and tell a friend. In today's edition, you'll hear reports from NHK World Radio Japan, Radio Havana, Cuba, The Voice of Russia, and Spanish National Radio. We'll begin with NHK World Radio Japan. A covering of thick polyester sheeting is being installed over one of the damaged reactors at Fukushima in an attempt to reduce the release of radioactive materials. Five of 12 schools in a city near Fukushima opened on Monday, with the students wearing masks to and from school and limited to two hours of outdoor exposure. Japan may ease but not eliminate its 2003 restriction on U.S. beef that was a result of mad cow disease. The European Union has agreed in principle to tighten rules against the short selling of stock market shares and bonds. NHK Japan
1: a covering of thick polyester sheets has been attached to steel frames at the damaged number no. 1 reactor building at the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear plant. Tokyo Electric Power Company plans to complete the covering and verify its effectiveness by the end of October. The work, which began in late June, is designed to decrease the release of radioactive materials into the air. The number one reactor was severely damaged in a hydrogen explosion in March. A large crane was used to attach the sheets to the steel frame encasing the reactor building. The utility company will conduct a test run to see how the system captures radioactive materials from the building with a filter. It estimates the system should be able to remove about 90% of the radioactive materials. Release of the radioactive materials into the atmosphere needs to be reduced before residents who have evacuated can return to their homes. TEPCO is considering installing covers on the number 3 and 4 reactors, which were also damaged.
2: Classes have resumed for the first time since the lifting of a government evacuation advisory in a city near the troubled Fukushima Daiichi nuclear power plant. Five out of 12 elementary and junior high schools reopened on Monday in Minami Soma, Fukushima Prefecture. The city is one of five municipalities near the damaged nuclear plant whose evacuation advisories were lifted in late September. At Omika Elementary School, pupils wearing masks arrived in their parents' cars. The school celebrated the reopening with a ceremony that featured local traditional music played on a conch horn. The principal urged the children to start moving forward again, one step at a time. One boy said now that he's back at his own school, he wants to do his best at his studies and at sports. The five schools that have resumed classes will take measures against radiation exposure, which include having children wear masks during their commutes and limiting outdoor activities to two hours per day. Minami Minamisoma officials say only about 40% of the city's students will be attending the five reopened schools because many are still living elsewhere
3: due to fears of radiation. Restrictions on the import of U.S. beef to Japan might be eased. Currently, only cows which are 20 months or younger can be imported to Japan, but this may be raised to 30 months or younger. The restrictions on beef have been in place to prevent meat infected with mad cow disease, or BSE, from reaching the Japanese market. In 2003, tainted beef was discovered during inspections and U.S. beef was completely banned. Two years later, the ban was partially lifted. Beef from cows, which were 20 months or younger, with brains and spinal cords removed, were allowed back in. The government says the restriction should be further eased, noting that 20-month or younger stipulation is much stricter than in other countries. No cow in the United States has tested positive for mad cow disease for four years, and the number of BSE cases worldwide has also plunged. The tentative new policy would be in line with the standard adopted by numerous other countries. The government is also considering easing beef imports from Canada, which is currently bound by the same restrictions as the the United States, as well as resuming imports from France and the Netherlands. The Ministry is planning to consult with the Food Safety Commission by the end of the year on revising its food policy.
4: The European Union has agreed in principle to tighten rules against the short selling of shares and bonds, and to temporarily ban trading when the market is in turmoil. Representatives of the European Parliament and member states reached the agreement on Wednesday after discussing rules for speculative financial trading. Under the agreement, the transparency of short-selling will be heightened by requiring investors to report to financial regulators of member states. If the market is thrown into turmoil, then each government will be allowed to temporarily ban trading. Also, speculative trading of credit default swap on government bonds will be banned in principle. The rules are expected to receive final endorsement from the full European Parliament and EU finance ministers next month. The rules are intended to take effect on November 1, 2012, and will be used to regulate speculative trading more strictly to stabilise the financial markets in Europe.
0: Those reports were from NHK World Radio Japan, heard from 10 to 10.30 p.m. at 6110 or on the web at www3.nhk.or.jp. All the times I'm announcing are for Pacific Daylight Saving Time, so adjust them to your time zone. Next, the Voice of Russia. The New York Times reported that the Obama administration had considered a cyber attack on Libya before commencing bombing raids there, and another one on Pakistan. A commentary on the use of computer warfare, including the Stuxnet virus, which infected computers in Iran to disrupt its uranium enrichment program, the voice of Russia. On Monday, the New York Times published
5: a report claiming that the Obama administration had debated conducting a cyber attack on Libya before sending U.S. pilots to bomb the Arab nation. The report reveals that Washington considered hacking into Libya's computers in order to disable the government's air defense systems, which would have allowed NATO planes to enter the country's airspace at a much lower risk for the pilots. According to the Times, the U.S. eventually decided against the cyber strike out of fear that it would set a precedent for other nations to follow, in particular China and Russia.
6: Another issue was whether it was even legal for Obama to launch such an operation without first informing Congress. The War Powers Resolution of 1973 requires the president to formally report to lawmakers within 48 hours of committing U.S. soldiers to military action and sets a 60-day limit on such deployments if Congress doesn't authorize them to stay longer. Theoretically, this process would be required even for an attack which takes place purely in cyberspace, though it should be noted that the resolution did nothing to deter U.S. forces from bombing Libya.
5: According to officials, the plan was ultimately aborted, mainly because there wasn't enough time to conduct the necessary reconnaissance and write the computer code, which would break through Libya's firewall. In particular, the code might not have been ready for use in time, given that the city of Benghazi was on the verge of being captured by Muammar Gaddafi's government forces. Even though the U.S. did reject the plan for a cyber attack in Libya, the issue remains far from closed.
6: A couple of weeks following the launch of the NATO operation in Libya, the Obama administration debated using similar cyber tactics to suppress the air raider system of Pakistan. At the time, U.S. Navy SEALs were preparing a mission to eliminate al-Qaeda leader Osama bin Laden, who was hiding out in a compound in Pakistan which was surrounded by Pakistani military. The administration finally decided against the cyber techniques in Pakistan as well, opting instead for stealth surveillance drones and specially modified helicopters designed to evade radar detection.
5: Obama wasn't the first president to consider using cyber warfare. A former Pentagon official told the Washington Post that in 2003 the George W. Bush administration debated a cyber attack against Iraq's financial system prior to the US invasion there. The plan was aborted over concerns about collateral damage that could have affected systems beyond the target. Attacking a country's banking system was then seen as dangerous for the entire global financial network. An unidentified Obama administration official told the Times that cyber techniques available to the government are still of limited use, saying, These cyber capabilities are still like the Ferrari that you keep in the garage and only take out for the big race and not just for a run around town unless nothing else can get you there.
6: The issue of cyber warfare is becoming increasingly pressing following the incident with the Stuxnet virus, which infiltrated computers in Iran in 2009 to disrupt its uranium enrichment program. Although no one has admitted responsibility for Stuxnet, some observers have suggested it was a joint American-Israeli project. The malware, however, spread beyond the intended targets, infecting more than 100,000 computers throughout Iran, India and Indonesia, Although it only harmed Iranian computers. Administration officials assure The Times that if the attack against Gaddafi had gone ahead, the malware code would have been contained within Libya's networks and not spread to other networks to cause collateral damage, unlike what happened in Iran.
5: Last year, the U.S. launched a new Cyber Command Division within the military with the goal of coordinating the military's use of cyberspace. The administration continues to insist publicly that the center was established for defense purposes only. The division's commander, Army General Keith Alexander, told the Washington Post last month that cyberattacks are a chief threat of the future and that massive losses of private and public data in recent years to computer criminals and spies represent the largest theft in history. Alexander added that the impact of cyberattacks on computer networks and the Internet is escalating and said that the government is adopting an active defense strategy aimed at bolstering the readiness of computer networks to respond.
6: However, the Pentagon is reluctant to admit it has any plans to cross the line from cyber defense to actually attacking the enemy. James Lewis, a national security specialist at the Center for Strategic and International Studies, told the New York Times that the U.S. has yet to break the glass on this new kind of warfare. Adding that cyber warfare is far from easy to conduct. Lewis said, "It's the cyber equivalent of fumbling around in the dark until you find the doorknob. It takes time to find the vulnerabilities. Where is the thing that I can exploit to disrupt the network?"
0: That report was from the Voice of Russia. Russia is heard from 5 p.m. to 11 at 15425, 13775, 9665, and 7440, or through their website www.english. On to Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle. On Thursday morning as I produce this show, Colonel Gaddafi has been killed in Libya, though how it occurred is not clear. The European Commission is considering a ban on ratings agencies from publishing their assessments of EU countries in financial difficulty. In Rome, at last Saturday's protest against economic inequality, small groups turned violent, much to the consternation of the majority of protesters. Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle.
7: Colonel Muammar Gaddafi, who ruled Libya with a dictatorial grip for 42 years until he was ousted by rebels in a civil war, was killed on Thursday when revolutionary forces overwhelmed his hometown of Sirte. After hours of rumour and uncertainty, his death was officially confirmed by the Libyan Prime Minister Mahmoud Jibril. Our reporter Gabriel Borod has been following the day's dramatic developments.
8: The first sounds of celebration were heard on the streets of Sirte on Thursday. They came from rebel fighters shouting and shooting guns in triumph that Gaddafi had been captured. I congratulate all Libyans. I congratulate the whole world, rebel commander R. al tawhuni said on Al Arabiya television. I confirm here that Muammar Gaddafi has been captured and is under rebel control. I have seen this with my own eyes. Confusion then descended on Sirte as reports flew out saying Gaddafi had been killed, though even now the details are still hazy. Gaddafi is believed to have died after being shot in his convoy outside of Sirte. Without mentioning how the death occurred, the rebels' military chief in Tripoli appeared as the first person with the news. <laughs> Muammar Gaddafi is dead, said abdel Akim Belhaj on the Arab-based broadcaster Al Jazeera. This is the beginning of a new Libya, an end to despotism, an end to autocracy an end to Gaddafi and the beginning of democracy.
9: Michael Mann, the spokesman for the EU's high representative Catherine Ashton, said Europe would continue its commitment to rebuilding the country. Uh,
7: we are part of the Friends of Libya group and uh, we have been tasked with uh, with a number of things to help with the the, the future rebuilding of Libya. We're looking into uh, communication. We're looking into women's rights. We're looking into helping civil society groups. We're looking into security sector reform. But
9: privately, there are also concerns about where Libya is headed. Diplomats have been concerned about some of the reported abuses committed by the new leadership and questioning whether they were up to the job of rebuilding the fabric of this divided country. Down at the road at NATO headquarters, officials said they were unsure if one of their airplanes had killed Gaddafi, but they said that his death would now bring an end to their current operations in the country. The Alliance has been in Libya since the end of March in a mission led by Britain and France. Operations, though, have divided its members and drained the military budgets of those who've taken part in it. And the Alliance has made clear it will pull out just as soon as it gets the signal from the new authorities. Vanessa Mock, Deutsche Welle Radio,
7: Brussels. The EU's executive, the European Commission, is considering a possible ban on ratings agencies publishing their assessments of EU countries in difficulties. Financial Times Germany says it has obtained a copy of a confidential draft proposal to that effect drawn up by the Internal Markets Commissioner, Michel Barnier. Politicians accuse ratings agencies of totally misrepresenting the financial situation of individual countries. One of Germany's most respected conservative politicians, the former General Secretary of the Christian Democrats, Heiner Geisler, has said that the country's largest bank, Deutsche Bank, should be broken up. He said a clear line should be drawn between its retail and investment banking activities. As 70% of profits came from investment banking, there was the danger that Deutsche could get into difficulties, he said.
10: Italy is taking stock of the damage done after violence broke out of what began as a peaceful protest against economic inequality on Saturday. Tens of thousands of people marched in Rome when a fringe group of young men began setting cars on fire and smashing windows. As Megan Williams reports, the violent ending was a painful disappointment for protesters, one that raises questions about those who ruined the day. The protest began with music blaring and people holding placards and dancing in the afternoon sunshine. More than 100,000 mostly young Italians turned out on the cobblestone streets of Rome. They are like this 50-year-old small businessman to express his indignation at corporate and government greed.
7: Our young people don't have a future. And this way of which in which politics and these systems just thinks about profits. And there is no way besides doing this making this voice, this young people voice loud to change the things. This is why I'm here.
10: This high school student said he and his friends want.
5: Some alternative to this government that don't understand us, that when we're protesting they don't consider us, and when there's violence in the protests, they only look at the people who are hitting policemen and not at our ideas.
10: It was a prescient comment. Soon after, organized groups of young men wearing black face masks and carrying bats began smashing store and bank windows and set alight several cars and a police van. In one incident that was played repeatedly on Italian television, a group broke into a church, pulled out a ceramic Madonna and smashed it on the street outside. Police used tear gas and water cannons to disperse them, but not before more than 100 officers and dozens of protesters were injured. Damage has been tallied at well over a million euros. This weekend's protest isn't the first to turn violent at the hands of an organized fringe group. Members of what's been called the Black Bloc recently infiltrated protests against the construction of high-speed rail lines in northern Italy. Twelve were arrested this weekend and a profile of the violent group is emerging. An estimated 800 were present At the Rome March, forming two distinct groups and working in smaller units of 20 or so. They threw smoke bombs, bottles, and bricks. Black Bloc members come from all parts of Italy, are between ages 17 and 25, and are well trained. One young member who spoke anonymously to the Italian paper La Repubblica said he and others were trained in Greece. Italy's interior minister plans to propose new legislation to crack down on the violent group. But many observers, such as the center left, La Repubblica, Newspaper editor Mauro Ezio fear that the real non-violent message of the marchers has already been lost.
7: Nella violenza non c'è nessuna ragione, e anzi c'è in qualche modo un tentativo di. Namely, that
10: Italy's government, led by Prime Minister Silvio Berlusconi, needs to pay attention to the despair of the younger generation, who, with lack of jobs and prospects, see little future here. Megan Williams, Deutsche Welle Radio, Rome.
0: Those reports were from Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle, which may be heard as a podcast at www.dw-world.de. If you have questions or comments about the shortwave report, or would like to make a donation for production cost of this unfunded program, I may be reached through the website or by writing to Dan Roberts at P.O. Box 1162, Willits, California, 95490. Please, help if you can. We will conclude with Spanish National Radio, a report on the huge October 15th rally in Madrid where people gathered to express anger at the role of global finance in government. Spanish National Radio.
11: Saturday, October fifteenth, saw demonstrations of various sizes around the world, which, diverse as they were, coincided in protesting the role of global finance and government, perverting, as the demonstrators say, the functioning of democracy and the well-being of the average person. Social, political and economic rights are being demanded from Auckland to Toronto, Tokyo to Helsinki, in cities throughout Europe and the United States. Protesters came out under the banners, we are the 99%, in reference to the concentration of wealth in 1% of the population. They call this democracy, and it's not, in reference to the structure of democratic governments that under pressure from global institutions and finance apply austerity measures cutting social benefits and workers' rights. No job, no home, no future, no fear in reference to an unexpectedly circumscribed world inherited by the younger generation around the world. Madrid witnessed one of the largest demonstrations anywhere, with some counts as high as half a million protesters on the streets. Though few foreign sources credit it, Spain was in fact the origin of the organization of this October 15th global event, decided on at one of the popular assemblies that emerged out of the May 15th movement, the date of the first Spanish march of the so-called indignance. From that moment, a group of demonstrators gathered in Madrid's central Puerta del Sol Square to occupy it, as Egyptians had occupied Tahrir Square in Cairo. The protests began, of course, in Tunisia, with the onset of the Arab Spring, and have since extended to the well-publicized Occupy Wall Street encampment and its many offshoots in North America. The organization of popular-based global events owes most to modern technology and the social networks that allow news to spread independently of the established media. The youth taking part in the demonstrations know its power, and how it might serve a movement that is characteristically un or anti-hierarchical, one in which the cult of the individual leader plays no part. Daniel, of mixed Spanish and British descent, said at the march that he believed in the internet.
8: The internet has helped a lot uh, get some ideas across. You know, the whole globalization in a positive sense, and how we're all more more connected and something like this that's happening all over the world could not have happened without internet and without social networking.
11: Daniel also saw Saturday's demonstrations as a means to protest against the empty value of consumerism that he feels his generation has been particularly subjected to. You know
0: since you're a kid you're being
8: fed all these advertisements and they're telling you buy, buy, buy so you'll be a better person depending on what stuff you have and I think that's that's promoted, that absence of values and a certain selfishness and We don't agree with how the world is being run, so we're here to support it, basically.
11: But the indignation behind these demonstrations by no means limited to the young or computer savvy. I also spoke with a retired teacher and her husband after the demonstration, Louise, originally from Scotland. Because I don't believe the system is
4: serving the people, the the capitalist system is failing, and... I think we should be out there and um, asking for more participation,
11: um, public participation, so that we can be more involved with the decision-making. And her Spanish husband, Jose, who also does not feel represented.
12: I've been to, demonstrations because, to the demonstration because I believe that we should stop uh, the world being governed by bankers and by finance people. We should all uh, have a uh, something to say about how this world should 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 work, and not only being ruled by the bankers. This part of a global movement. We need we need a global global movement because finance is global, and uh, if we need to change something, it needs to be globally. If you, we, a country on its own, it's difficult, very difficult to change because we're all we're all interdependent. So. We have to act go globally.
11: Protest demonstrations are nothing new to Louise and Jose, for whom the comparisons with Egypt or with Spain under the Franco dictatorship are of a historical nature.
4: When I came to Madrid
11: in seventy four,
4: we were demonstrating against the dictatorship, and basically there were police running in the streets and with their batons, and you know, it was a different thing altogether. So they can't really be compared, but um, but there's the, we've been living years of abundance, and I don't think things are going to be so abundant in the future. And I think things are going to get worse. So I think it's good to be out in the street and let people know that we're we're there and willing to fight. Uh, yeah,
12: before it, it used to be demonstrations about uh, political um, fascism is not a word uh autocracy. Uh, but now this is uh, what people are demonstrating against is against the power of, of finance. Mm-hmm. We are not in 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 we're in the hands of other people, and we can't do very much unless unless we, we show them mm-hmm. that we have the strength to do it.
11: Members of the 15M movement, as well as those movements around the world like Occupy Wall Street, say that elections are not the issue. The issues at hand remain the same regardless. The list includes an unjust distribution of wealth, a corruption of the democratic system that limits participation and serves the interests of global finance over the welfare of the people, the destruction of the planet's resources, among many others. These issues, demonstrators say, are not resolved at the polls. On one of the October 15th videos that can be seen on YouTube, the headlines read, It is time for us to unite. It is time for them to listen. People of the world, rise up. Well, from Saturday's global demonstrations, it would seem that politics or business as usual will not answer their call, and that the movement is only beginning to gather momentum.
0: That report was from Spanish National Radio, heard from 4 to 5 p.m. at 5970 and podcasting at www.rtve.es. All the times I've announced are for Pacific Daylight Saving Time, so adjust them to your time zone. One of my goals in producing this show is to encourage people to listen to international broadcasts using a shortwave radio at home, which is far simpler than you might think. However, if you use the internet, listening globally is also quite easy. See the links at this program's website. Every Friday morning, I post a new shortwave report at the website for this show. That's www.out farpress.com. At my website, you can also listen to past shows, find internet links for international broadcasters, make a safe donation through PayPal, and get advice for listening at home. The shortwave report is free to rebroadcast upon notification. The shortwave report is produced and distributed off the electrical grid in Northern California using solar panels. I'm your host and producer, Dan Roberts. Thanks for listening.